Thank you for joining me for ACC Basketball Report number 38. Coming at you from lovely Clayton, North Carolina. Uh, yeah, no bells, no whistles tonight. I just don't have time. Uh, I did want to get in uh, the episode tonight. Going to do another episode on Thursday night. Going to do another episode on either Saturday or Sunday, just so I can get all these team previews out before the season actually starts next week. We have college basketball next weekend, folks. I hope you're excited because I am certainly excited. <clears throat> um, I will be bringing out the let's see the the UIC uh, game preview for Notre Dame fans. That'll be coming out. Uh, hopefully in the next couple days on slapassign.com. The Lamar preview for Georgia Tech fans will be coming out on GT Swarm over the next couple days. And I will be doing game reviews. I'll be giving game notes uh, for any, um, let's see, recruiting news, things like that. Uh, specifically like uh, Caprifica uh, committing to Florida State. That stuff is on ACCBasketballReport.com. Ah, Evan Williams after work time. You know, as well as other recruiting news, my thoughts on Phil Kofer, things of that nature. All that stuff is up on ACCBasketballReport.com. So go there. Check that out. I try to post stuff daily for you guys at this point. Um, just, just trying to build the brand, baby. I say it every week. So in order to help me do that, subscribe to the podcast. Okay? Hit the subscribe button. Give me some subscribers. You know, we when we reach a certain amount of subscribers, I become eligible for, you know, live reads, advertisers, monetizing the program, which is is kind of a big deal. You know, it is a labor of love, but at the same time, yeah, you know, keeps that stuff keeps me from begging for contributions from you guys. So, subscribe, like, rate, review, five sh uh, five stars. I've always said you guys can say whatever you want as long as you give me five stars. You know, the most creative, maybe even the most heartfelt ratings and reviews. I've still got an ACCBR hoodie left. Maybe I'll send that out to you. You know, if you if you get particularly creative, uh, you know, retreat the podcast, get the word out. This is the place to go for the best ACC dedicated programming and and, and content. So, I'm at, I'm uh, Michael Hunter again, as always at Pcone36 on Twitter. Uh, today I'm going to talk about number seven, number six teams, my projected ACC standings. Other than that, not a whole lot going on. As I said, check out Slap the Sign, GT Swarm, ACC Basketball Report. And like, rate, review. So, jumping right into it again. Recruiting news, stuff like that. Go to the go to the website. There's just a lot to keep up with. Um, I guess a couple things real quick that I will throw out there. Uh, Wake Forest did pick up a a commitment yesterday from a kid that I have not been able to find a whole lot of about. I haven't really formed an opinion on him. I know he's a big kid, power forward. He's not currently ranked by 24/7. Um, Odie. Oguama, I believe, is his name, is how you say it. Uh, I'm sorry if I butchered that, but damn, we got some tough names in the ACC. Um, the other news that came out, other than Caprivica, obviously, to Florida State, is Chandler Lawson is currently getting ready to make his college decision. He has he will be visiting Georgia Tech this weekend, and he will make his decision shortly after that. Now, just last week. It was said that he was going to wait till the spring. Uh, apparently, got a little homesick on his visit to Oregon. Now, apparently, Oregon's back on the table. Ole Miss fans seems to think that this kid is is a home run to stay at Ole Miss because apparently that's where his parents are. You know, his parents live close to there, and he's you know he's has a, an affinity for his mother apparently, which we all do. You know, there's nothing to be shameful about there, obviously. But you know, G Tech fans. This is basically their last shot at a big-time recruit. 
you know. Um, so that's that's one to keep track of if you're a Georgia Tech fan. All right. Oh, the other news is uh, Jeremiah Robinson Earl just committed just before I, I turned on the podcast to Villanova. So that affects Notre Dame fans. Obviously, Notre Dame was kind of holding on hope. I thought he was going to Kansas. Uh, apparently, the ties to Kansas weren't strong enough. Or the stuff that came about in the trial kind of scared him away. Or he just wants to play for a program that won two out of the last three championships. So, who knows? But congratulations to him. Obviously, he's going to be a really good player. He's going to be really fun to watch in that system. Um, he's, he's a fucking dunk machine. And people are going to know who he is real quick if you don't know who he is. Okay, number seven in the ACC, BR, 2018-19 projected standings, and it's not a huge mystery because if you listen to me on the College Hoop News podcast, I already gave all this stuff to you, but we're going to do the deep dives today. Today is the North Carolina State Wolfpack. And I found out today, I am not the only one that's high in North Carolina State. Brad Cavallaro from CBB Central actually has them ranked number 16 in the country. I actually have them at 22, so he's even a little bit higher than me. I think he had them at 6, I have them at 7. Uh, last year finished 21 and 12, 11 and 7, tied with I think three teams for third in the ACC. Uh, Kevin Keats' first season obviously made a huge impact. Um, lost in the first round of the ACC tournament to Boston College, uh, were able to be granted a number nine seed, number nine seed as an at-large, and lost in the first round of Seton Hall. Dance. This team kind of faded a little bit late. Uh, seemingly ran out of gas. I liked them a lot during the season, mostly because Al Freeman was – he was twice the player last year that he was when he was at Baylor. And and Markel Johnson, once he finally joined the team in December, was everything I thought he was going to be and more. Uh, I think they just eventually ran out of gas a little bit. Uh, key losses, again, Freeman, 16 points a game, four rebounds, two and a half assists. Uh, Omer, seven, transferred to Georgetown. That's 13 and a half, rebound, uh, 13 and a half points. Seven rebounds, nearly two blocks a game. Uh, Nard Freeman, eight points, four boards. Sam Hunt, five and a half points, shot 42% from deep. Uh, Malik Abu uh, graduated after seemingly 12 years. Uh, 5.2 points, three and a half rebounds per game. What's crazy is Abu was actually a, a professional prospect at one point. I think he actually put his name in the draft maybe after his sophomore season. And knee problems just, just, just knocked his career way off track. Uh, also lost, uh, you know, promising point guard Lavar Bats. He transferred to UNC Asheville. Uh, nearly four points a game, nearly a rebound and a half, and an assist and a half per game. Darius Hicks, Sean Kirk, both transferred as well. So a lot of attrition on this program last year, but some of that stuff was I'm not gonna call it dead weight. I think Bats had some upside. Um, you know, Abu was kind of a shadow of his former self. Sam Hunt was a nice short corner shooter. But what they did and what Keats was able to do, especially through the transfer market, it was absolutely incredible. Uh, on the newcomers list, sorry, I got a little bit of a cold. Um, just it's it's been a weird fucking week. Uh, Eric Lockett transfer from FIU, averaged 14 and a half points per game last season. Uh, C.J. Bryce transfer from UNCW, who followed Keats from Wilmington to Raleigh, uh, averaged 14, five rebounds, two assists, really good shooter, about 35 percent. Uh, from deep. Devin Daniels transferred from Utah after a freshman year in which he averaged 9.1, 4.6 rebounds, and 2.7 assists. Shot 61% from inside the arc. So he's a guy that likes to get in, uh, get in deep. He's a big guard, 6'5, 6'6, likes to finish at the rim, can finish at the line. Uh, this kid, keep an eye on him. He might be one of the fan favorites in Raleigh here very quickly. Uh, Blake Harris, who was a local kid that went to Missouri. 
Uh, played 14 games for, for Quanzo Martin last year, averaged 3.8 points, 2.1 rebounds, 3.1 assists in those 14 games. He will likely be the backup uh, for Markel Johnson, though Johnson's going to see a ton of minutes this year. Uh, Ian Steer is a former Creighton commit that decommitted um, in the fall, I believe, last year. He's a four-star forward, 6'9", he's kind of a stretch four, likes to get out on the perimeter a little bit and shoot. I don't know if he stretches all the way up to three-point land, but... Um, but he has, I think, that capability. So, so, so he I, he's a really good player, I think. Derek Funderburk is a JUCO, formerly of Ohio State, but he never actually played a game there. He's a top 100 recruit out of high school, um, and then he went JUCO, and he was in, like the fifth best JUCO in the country uh, that they were able to land. I don't really know what to expect from him. He's a big guy that doesn't really rebound well. Um, you know, we're going to talk about him a little bit more in a minute. Wyatt Walker is a grad transfer from Samford, averaged roughly 12 and 8 during his career there. And Jericho Helams is four-star wing player, really athletic, 6'6", probably two bills. Um, you know, he's a kid that a lot of people are really high on. I haven't seen a ton of tape on him. I know that it was his recruiting list was all ACC when he was being recruited. Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech, um, I think... Boston College maybe was in on him, but he, he had a lot of ACC offers. There's a lot of the, the mid-tier, oh, let me get a little loose with that term, but a lot of mid-tier ACC schools were, were after this kid. And, of course, he, he ends up at NC State because Kevin Keats just plays that really fun system. Uh, returnees, you know, the three biggest ones, Markel Johnson, Braxton Beverly, who's actually just recently got injured, and then uh, Torn Dorn uh, kind of flirted with the uh, – with the uh, NBA a little bit, but then ultimately came back, which led to uh, kind of the, the banishment of Sadiq Bay, I guess, who decommitted and then went to Villanova. That was really weird because I was a big Bay fan, and he actually just had a really, really good game against the uh, for them in their secret scrimmage uh, the other day. I think he led them in scoring with more than 20 points. So it, it was an interesting trade-off. I actually did a podcast on that called A Bad Trade. A while back, I th actually think it was the Slasha Kalea Jones transfer that maybe knocked knocked Bay out of the box. So, why do I have North Carolina State at number seven? Uh, first and foremost, their style of play. I love their style of play. Okay, up and down pressure defense. Keats learned this from Patino. Okay, coached under him at Louisville. Uh, they like to push the tempo, which means they rarely add a games. I think their style of play is conducive to being able to play from behind and and, and make up ground. It also sometimes means that if they get out ahead of teams, um, the number of opportunities the other team receives sometimes allows the other teams to get back into games as well. Uh, they're going to shoot threes, and they got a ton of guys uh, that can make them. Okay, They're number 38 in adjusted tempo last season, according to Ken Palm, and the 32nd best team in the nation in points per game last season. So this is a team that likes to play fast. Okay, I want to go fast. And they can shoot. They play up tempo. I don't think they're rarely. Uh, I think they're rarely ever going to be out of games. And moving right into number two as to why I have them at number seven is their great guard play. Okay, anyone who listens to this podcast knows I'm a huge Markel Johnson guy. Okay, one of my one of only four players last season to average better than eight points, seven assists, three rebounds, one and a half steals per game. Okay, in my humble opinion, which is typically not very humble, he's one of the three best point guards in the conference. Okay. Justin Robinson is pro is probably number one, and I know I'm forgetting somebody. God damn it! 
You know, I would have said Joel Berry. He's not here anymore. Ty Jerome. Okay, probably Justin Robinson, Ty Jerome are the two top point guards. I know I'm forgetting somebody, but I would put Markel Johnson right behind them guys. Um, and, you know, I just think he's one of the most underrated players as far as definitely point guards. You take Markel Johnson and put him on UNC and put uh, Kobe White on NC State, I think North Carolina is probably the number one ranked team in the country right now. Uh, I, I think that, that's how much I think of Markel Johnson. So um, outside of Johnson, uh, you know, Eric Lockett. Well, actually, let's – okay. If he feel, let's get, stay back on Johnson for a second. I'm all over the damn map right now. If he feels so inclined as well, you know, he, he's a player at seven assists per game. I think that's absolutely incredible. Uh, I think only Devontae Graham, Trey Young, I think there's one more averaged at least seven assists last year with, with you know, the other stipulations here. But Markel Johnson also shoots 41% from deep. I mean, he can fill it up if he wants to, but he just likes to go fast and get it to the open guy and let them score. And that rolls me right into number three reason why I have them at number seven, and that's their perimeter talent, okay? C.J. Bryce, 35% from deep. Devin Daniels, 40% from deep, okay? But he was, you know, he didn't shoot very many, but what once he did, he, he shot 40%. Braxton Beverly, 38.5% from deep. Um, Johnson, why don't I have Johnson? Oh, Johnson, obviously, uh, 41% from deep. Uh, Steer can shoot it a little bit, though he's not really a perimeter guy, you know, when he feels like stepping out, he has that capability. That's the only reason I include him. Now, Lockett shoots less than 30% from three, and Blake Harris actually missed all seven of his triple attempts last season. But still, you know, the shooting is there between Daniels, Johnson, Beverly, Bryce, possibly Steer, you know, five guys who can drill it. Um, and it's just the opportunities are going to be there because when these guys get the rebound and run out, that defense is going to be scrambling to find their guys, and it's going to lead to short corner threes or at least working the ball down into the short corner and then kicking it back out to a trail guy who's probably going to be C.J. Bryce or Devin Daniels for that uh, that wing attempt. And even then, they get it to him. There's going to be a big man diving to the basket because they have very mobile big men. So <clears throat> the, the, the perimeter talent is obviously a obviously a dominant perimeter team. I mentioned the Braxton Beverly, uh, also Torn Dorn. Shit, how did I forget Torn Dorn? Uh, capable, obviously. One of the most underrated players in the conference. But um, <clears throat> who is probably going to play, he's probably going to play the three, and then Bryce will play small ball four, although Torn Dorn is kind of a zone killer. You know, he's, it, it's going to be interesting to see how these, how Keats plays his lineups, because all of his talent is small ball fours and down for the most part. Um, and I'm going to get to that in just a second. But the fourth reason why I have the Wolfpack at number seven is their schedule. Uh, their schedule, if you take a look at it, great source of optimism. Okay, Pitt, twice. Wake Forest, twice. Boston College, twice. They get Georgia Tech once, but the game is in Raleigh. G-Tech is particularly tough at home, historically under Passner. Uh, this team should win all seven of those games, I think. Uh, I could see them getting tripped up in Chestnut Hill, but going six and one here, I think is is a likely possibility. Uh, they get Louisville once, but it is in Louisville at the Yum Center. I, they really named seriously change change the goddamn name. That's ridiculous. Uh, UNC does play in Raleigh this year, and so does Syracuse. Uh, they may get one of those. Maybe they might be able to get Syracuse in Raleigh. 
North Carolina. I don't, I don't think so. Not after NC State beat them last year. Um, playing Miami away could be tough, but they might be favored in that. You know, Miami's a tough team. You don't really know how they're gonna how they're gonna shake out given their roster and some of their limitations. Uh, I think uh, um, who the hell am I talking about here right now? Goddamn, NC State. NC State, I think, uh, you know, the Wolfpack probably do lose in Tallahassee. You know, this is a team that should be able to pile up wins in the non-conference. I think the toughest one they have is Vanderbilt, maybe Penn State. Um, but the schedule is in their favor. Uh, they're going to be able to pile up some wins big time this year. So I think that this, what I think the problem might be is the win total may be impressive, but the RPI numbers, you know, some of those metric numbers may not be as impressive, may hurt them at seeding time. But I think that the amount of wins that they're going to be able to pile up will be impressive enough to get them a, I have them at 22, so what's that, a 5 seed, 6 seed, somewhere in there. I think that feels about right. It may be a 7 or 8 seed, given, given what the metrics are going to say. Now, the one con, or I guess drawback that I have by putting too much faith in this team is their front court depth. White Walker's a fine player, 12 and 8 at Samford. Okay, if you listen to me in the past, I, when you transfer up, I, I, I pump the brakes. Okay, if you're going to be leaned upon like this kid is going to be leaned upon, he, he's the guy. Okay, they don't have many other options at, at the power forward slash center position. Okay, Manny Bates hurt his, hurt his uh, shoulder. He's out for the season. He's on IR, basically. Um, you know... Derek Funderburk, not you know, not great. Averaged, uh, I think he what did he get? 17 blocks in 34 games last year at the JUCO level. So he's not going to be he's not going to be your rim protector. Ian Steer is not that kind of player. Okay, he's going to play the stretchy four, uh, you know, uh, elbow jumpers and stuff like that. He's not really a back to the basket guy. He has the capability. I just don't think that's where he wants to be on the court. And I'm not sure that that's how NC State's going to use him in this kind of offense that they're going to play. So it's going to be interesting to see if Walker can both handle the load as well as the minutes. And then does Funderburk finally live up to his potential? I mean, he was at one time, I believe, a top 70 recruit when he went to Ohio State, never played a game, went Juco, averaged 11 points, five rebounds. He's not, he's not a great, you know, he's a good athlete, not a great rebounder, not a great rim protector. Funderburk is a huge question mark for me, uh, but the the overall talent on the wings and especially at the point guard position with Johnson is the major reason why I have North Carolina State at number seven. Uh, a little bit higher than some, but I found out today a little bit lower than a couple as well. So this is a team that really intrigues me. This is a team I'm going to watch a lot this season. I can't believe I forgot to put a lot of Torn Dorn on here. Torn Dorn's a, a hell of a player. This is like. 13th year in the NCAA, but that just their depth on the wings is absolutely incredible. Moving on to number six. Um, you know, I, I try not to let recency bias invade, you know, my thought process when I'm, when I'm putting these lists together and putting my thoughts together. And I thought I had avoided it until I pulled up the list when I started getting these, these shows prepped. And there, there they are, Florida State at number six. And I wanted to pull it back a little bit until I started to break it down a little bit. I actually like this team a lot more this year, I think, than I did last year. I think, you know, well, let's break it down real quick. 23-12, and 9-9 and in the ACC last year. They kind of limped 
uh, into the ACC tournament. You know, three and four in their final seven. They lost to Louisville in that first game of the ACC tournament. And then, of course, when everybody's down on them, they make a run to the Elite Eight. You know, they, they uh, I can't remember who they beat in the first round. Missouri, which, why did I take Missouri when Michael Porter hasn't played all year? Hold on. Evan Williams' glass. You just, you gotta have a little taste. You know, they go and they beat uh, Xavier, who would just run through everybody last year. You know, and then they uh, take down a Gonzaga team, which I'm not sure they get through there. I, I had this conversation with Tony on College Hoop News. Did they beat Gonzaga if Killian Tilly is healthy? He said he thinks so because of the matchups. He's obviously seeing Gonzaga more than I have, but, I mean, Gonzaga thought they had Tilly until 10 minutes before the tip. And if you've ever seen Killian Tilly play, he's a hell of a player. Uh, one of my favorite players. I do have to make it a point to stay up and watch Gonzaga a couple times this year because I think they're going to be really, really good. And speaking of which, I am part of the Rockin' 25 poll on Twitter, which is run by Sean Dillon this year. So it is basically a collection of independents that put together their top 25 each week, and we put out our own top 25. And I'm part of that this week. So check that out. I just put in my vote today. Um, for some of you who follow me on Twitter at Pico36, you know what my top 25 is. It did not change from last week when I posted it. So check that out. It's, it's a fun thing we do, um, you know, just to, just to stay involved. It's just, I like doing cool shit. And, you know, it's, it takes some time out of the day, but at the same time, it's a good time. It's what we love to do. So, you know, it's me, Tony Patelis, Kevin Sweeney, um, Eli Bolger. Um, watch, I think I just butchered his fucking name too. And I apologize if Eli listens. I don't think he does, but you know, just a good time. So, you know, some of your favorite independents, we all get involved. It's a good time. But uh, back to Florida State. They eventually lose, I think, 58-54 to 54 to Michigan uh, in the Elite Eight. Michigan, I'm sorry if I said Michigan State. Uh, Michigan obviously went to the finals at, where they eventually lost to basically Dante DiVincenzo. Because if you watch the first, like, eight minutes of that game, Michigan looked like they were kind of in control even though they weren't really spreading out the lead. But then DiVincenzo just lost his mind. And, you know, it was, uh, it was to say it was an up-and-down season for Florida State last year would be an understatement. I expect more consistency from them this year. And, yeah, I just – and I'm going to get into it right now. Key losses, Brian Angola, 12 points, 4 rebounds, 3 assists. He graduated. C.J. Walker, kind of a turnover machine. I think this is addition by subtraction. Uh, transferred to Ohio State. Ike Obiago is the one that I think hurts. I mean, obviously, Angola was a good scorer for this team. I think he was the second or third leading scorer on this team at 12 and a half a game. Obiagu was the guy that spelled um, uh, John Michael Christ Kamaji. And I'm going to get into that a little bit, but Obiagu went to Seton Hall. He's a block machine. He's a big kid. You know, another one of those Leonard Hamilton seven-footers. I think his loss hurts. Um, <clears throat> newcomers. This is interesting. They have some interesting guys. Nate Jack is a Juco. He's a kid that if you ever watch him play on YouTube, he shoots fadeaway threes. Okay, He shoots off-balance threes. He shoots setup threes. He shoots catch-and-shoot threes. He shoots off the bounce. He's a shooter. He's a chucker. Now, this team already has P.J. Savoy, so this is really interesting. I don't know if Nate Jack is good enough to see time on the ACC schedule. But his YouTube video is pretty impressive. I mean, he could be a player. He might be a guy that never sees the floor because when you watch YouTube, they make 100% of their shots. That's what it's there for. They're, they're promoting their brand. So that's a kid that I'm really interested in. Uh, David Nichols is a transfer from Albany, 17 points per game last year. He's a kid that has run 
the America East for the last couple of years. Uh, you know, there's a couple other kids. Uh, Quentin Jackson's a Juco kid, which, eh. Um, Raekwon Gray is a redshirt from last year. I'm going to touch a little bit on him in a minute. Uh, key returnees, basically Phil Cole for Terrence Mann, MJ Walker, Chris Kumaji, Mufiandu, Kevin Gelly, Trent Forrest, PJ Savoy, and two other guys that I really like, Wyatt Wilkes and, like I said, Raekwon Gray. So, five reasons that I have FSU at number six. And then I'm going to let you get out of here on a, what is this, Tuesday? Shit, I'm only at 24 minutes. I'm going to stretch this bitch out a little bit. Hold on. Hold on. I know what I'll do. It. I know it'll make me a little bit more chatty. A little Evan. Ah, yes, sir. All right. So, five reasons that I have Florida State at number six. The number one reason is very obvious to me. I love their depth. Uh, Kofer, who was injured, he's got a little bit of a foot issue. I'm here in six weeks. I put a piece up on what that, I think what that means for this team in the early season. Go to ACC Basketball Report, check it out. Terrence Mann, MJ Walker, I think that's a great big three. Okay, Trent Forrest going to be a breakout player. David Nichols can shoot it about 35, 36% from deep. Could help out at point guard, which is good because I don't want P.J. Savoy handling the ball any more than necessary. Okay, The kid's in there to do one thing that's hit short corner threes. That's where he needs to knee. He needs to park his ass in the corner, run the baseline a couple times. If it's there, take it, hit it, and that's what he's going to do. Uh, JMCK, Kevin Gelly, really good big men, I think, for this league. You know, I think Mufiandu, they can play them both together. I'm not sure they want to do that now that Obiagu's gone. I think you're going to see Kevin Gelly play a lot of minutes at the five, but I think Kamaji's probably going to start. Although I think maybe Florida State's better with Kevin Gelly on the floor, especially with this, you know, the pieces that they have, the shooters that they have. You know, he's a kid that can get out to the free throw line. He can hit that elbow jumper. He's got a little bit more mobility. But Leonard Hamilton loves to play those those seven footers. I mean, he's he's always got one, two, or three of them. It's it's absolutely amazing. He just signed another one the other day, seven foot two, Balsa Caprivica. So, who's very talented? Went to Montverde, won the national championship last year. Uh, I think Raekwon Gray could be a nice player. I'm not sure if it's going to happen this year. I spoke about him in the past. He was six seven, six eight, kind of a uh, old man YMCA crafty game. But he's gonna. I think he's going to be a glass cleaner. Uh, he's got that big backside that, you know, he's going to be able to box people out. He's going to be able to get people on his hip on the block. He's kind of a throwback. He's just a kid I really like. Now, you know, I also really like Jay Huff, but he never gets on the court because he can't play defense. I'm not sure about Gray. I like his skill set for the nine minutes that I saw him on the court in their exhibition game last year. So we'll, we'll see how that pans out. But he did redshirt last year, so he comes in as a redshirt freshman this year. Uh, we'll see if he can get some run because the other two guys that are listed at the power forward position are expected to be red shirts. Uh, obviously, Kevin Gelly is a power forward slash center, so he's going to suck up some minutes. Wyatt Wilkes could see some time at the four, but eh, I, I don't know. He's more of a 3-2 ball handling forward type kid. I'm not sure you're going to see that a whole lot. So, uh, number two reason why I have FSU at number six is chemistry. Uh you just heard me reel off all their returning players, okay? This team has played a ton of minutes together, okay? They're returning most of their their major, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Contributors, there you go. You know, reached for it, wasn't there, you know, going to buckle down and find that word. 
uh, of the returning players that are coming back this year that played last year, the major guys, this team played 229 games together last year. Okay, they know each other. They know where each other is going to be. Um, I think that is partly or often the most underrated part of college basketball is people don't talk about chemistry enough. Okay, That's why you're not seeing these one-and-done factories win championships every year. Okay, They're getting all the talent, but they're not they're not winning all the championships. Okay, Teams like Villanova are winning the championships. Okay, Guys that, you know, there's a one-and-done mixed in there, a two-and-done mixed in there, but you know, then you got Eric Pascal, Phil Booth, uh, who was the Chris kid, Chris, Chris with a K, that hit the shot against Carolina. Shit, I can't even remember his name. God. Anyway, but, you know, three-year players, four-year guys mixed in with a little bit of talent. It's not all about, you know, the the Stars will get you fired sometimes, I think. But I don't. But the Stars are going to win you 30 games. I don't know if they're going to win you championships because it's all about them. It's all about auditioning for the NBA, which we all know they're going to, which they have to go to because they stopped going to class after first semester. So this team's chemistry, I think, is going to be off the charts. Um, I think that uh, Hamilton did a nice job a couple years ago when he brought in MJ Walker, who is probably a three-year player at Florida State, who was also a five-star guy. Wyatt Wilkes, who's a four-year guy, but also a four-star player. Okay, Kevin Gelly. Is a probably a three-year player. I think he might jump at some point if he becomes a featured player next year. You know, then you sprinkle in David Nichols as a grad transfer, Terrence Mann, Patrick Savoy, and Kumaji, four-year players. Terrence Mann came in with shit. Uh, Malik Beasley and the kid, the other kid, Dwayne Bacon. You know, that he was part of that class. I mean, you look back now, that's a hell of a goddamn class. Kamaji, Terrence Mann, um, Jesus, that it says his name, Bacon, and Malik Beasley. Holy mother. So, you know, this team's been playing together for a long time. Uh, Trent Forrest has a, you know, a tremendous uh, career in his in his rear view. He's played a ton of games. I just, I think this team, like I said, last year they were good. This year I think they potentially could be better. As far as consistency over the regular season, this team, I, I just think that they, they gelled at the right time last year. You may see an extension of that this year. Uh, number three, why I love Florida State at number six, is the home court advantage. Okay, Last three seasons during ACC play, Florida State is 21-6. and six. Uh, To me, that's, that's incredibly impressive. To me, that is something you may not, um, you may not expect. Okay, 75% winning percentage in the ACC, in ACC play at home, that's, that's damn good. I think Tallahassee is probably one of the most underrated home court advantages in the ACC and maybe the country. I was, I haven't checked the record on this, but it feels like uh, Florida State always plays Duke and Carolina extremely tough in Tallahassee. And I, I don't know what the stats are. I don't know if the, the numbers actually uh, support that statement, but it seems like Florida State beats Duke and Tallahassee an awful lot. So maybe somebody can check that and get back to me. Um, number four reason why I have Florida State at number six one guy, and I think it is, he may prove to be the most important guy on the season, and that is Trent Forrest. Hold on one second. So, Trent Forrest, you ever watch him play, not really a, a guy who's going to wow you, okay? He's not a bomber, okay? He's not Trey Young. He's a big guy, 6'4", probably play both both guard spots, but I like him at the point guard spot. Um 
you know, if you weren't paying attention, if you weren't watching the games last year, you look at the box score, he averaged seven and a half points per game last year. Not a great shooter, shoots like 20% from deep. What he did in the last 10 games, okay, he averaged 12 and a half points, over five rebounds, almost five assists, and two steals per game. That's absolutely incredible to me. I, I when I when I did that when I selected those games and looked at the averages, that blew me away. I knew he had been good, but I didn't know he was that good. He didn't even start those games, started one of those games. It's absolutely incredible. Um, those games do include the tournament run. So that's not against some cupcake. That's not against Pitt, Georgia Tech, and Wake Forest in ACC play. Okay. That was against Xavier and Gonzaga and Michigan. You know, that was ACC tournament, which they only played one game, it was Louisville, but still. That's that's some top-notch talent that they're playing against, and he's just putting up numbers. Okay, he is, like I said, it's addition by subtraction. He's stepping into C.J. Walker's role. C.J. Walker's gone. Okay, he can't turn the ball over and make stupid fouls anymore. Okay, he's somebody else's, he's Chris Holtman's problem now, which is funny. I actually look at C.J. Walker's numbers. He only had like 65 turnovers last year, but it seemed like we watched the games and you watched the live box scores. He just racked up turnovers. And I wish I had a better laptop in front of me where I could actually look at how many turnovers he had. I bet he had four more turnovers three or four times last year. But anyway, Trent Forrest, he's just, he's a stat machine. And I think he played 22 or 24 minutes last year. You get him up around 30, 32 at the point guard spot. He's going to make this, this offense. They're going to, they're going to purr like a kitten. I mean, hum like Detroit, you know, muscle. It's just going to be incredible. And he, I think, is the key to this season, especially during the time where Kofor is hurt. He's going to have to step up and be that leader for guys like MJ Walker, like Kevin Gelly, um, potentially Wyatt Wilkes if he gets on the floor. Um, David Nichols is going to need time to get acclimated in the ACC. Trent Force is the most important guy in this team, along with Terrence Mann, I believe. Um, the fifth and final reason why I have Florida State at number six is actually the reason why I don't have them any higher. Um, I've seen them up as high as number four in some in some places. And I think they have they have the potential to to hit that ceiling, but I, I don't see it. And and the reason is one, their front court depth. You know, I know I know Kamaji is going to be good, but he's only going to play 16, 18 minutes a year a, a, a game. So let's get into it a little bit. The other thing is the myth of Florida State is that they're really good on defense. They're not. That's the myth that Florida State is a really good defensive team. Now, if you look at the Ken Palm metrics, their adjusted tempo is usually in the top 40. But if you look at the points per game that they surrender, okay, 184th in defensive points per game last year, 177th the year before that, and 235th the year before that. Okay, they've been 56th or better on offensive points per game the last three years. 56 was the worst. I think they were 18th and 44th in the other two years. So it's it's funny because Hamilton gets pegged as a great defensive coach. Okay, remember when uh, the Baltimore Ravens won the Super Bowl? Brian Billick was an offensive genius. Okay, you ever remember those Baltimore Ravens teams being offensively good? No, they had Trent Dilfer at quarterback. They were they were defensive juggernaut. And that's that's similar. To what's going on here is Hamilton has this this reputation, but the results actually show the complete opposite of that. Now, I think that that can change. I, I think it will change. I think you know you get C.J. Walker out of there. You know Trent Forrest, good defender. Terrence Mann, decent defender. Uh, J.M.C.K. is obviously a good rim defender, 
but he's going to have to play more more minutes this year. He only played 16 minutes last year. I think that's why the loss of Obiago hurts so much. Is if you can get him up to 24, 26 minutes a game, he probably averages close to three blocks. Um, you know, 20 and 20 for Kevin Gelly and, and Kamaji is probably the likely outcome. Maybe Raekwon Gray, like I said, can get can get in there a little bit. But you know, I, I think you want JMCK on the court as much as possible this year. He's probably going to find himself to get in foul trouble, but I think that's okay because you have. Wyatt Wilkes can steal some minutes at the four. Raekwon Gray can steal some minutes at the four. Terrence Mann can probably steal some quality minutes at the four. And then when Kofor gets healthy, he can steal some minutes at the four. You don't really lose anything because now you got David Nichols. Okay, you don't want Patrick Savoy. You don't want P.J. Savoy handling the ball. But, you know, you're going to get Trent Forrest instead of, instead of C.J. Walker. You know, M.J. Walker is still floating out there just waiting, begging to bust out. Um, that is basically my thoughts on Florida State. Um, you guys have any thoughts or concerns, questions of your own, uh, please feel free to, uh, to, to tweet at me at Pico 36, send your emails to ACC basketball report at gmail.com. You know, like I said, go subscribe to the podcast. Okay. Um, we've kind of go rate the podcast, review the podcast. Tell me what you guys like about the show. Tell me what you guys dislike about the show. If it's just me in general, then I'm sorry. You, you may have to stop listening because, I think I've kind of found my shtick right now. I'm just trying to provide you guys with sometimes an off-the-beaten-path opinion and then and then quality facts and stuff that I can dig up around around the way. So, you know, go like, rate, review, share, uh, retweet the podcast, subscribe, leave me reviews, uh, tell your friends, check out the Rockin' 25 poll uh, that's full of independence. Check out the Slap the Sign uh, basketball page, which I'm going to be all over with Chase Eric and Nader Arbach this year. Uh, check out accbasketballreport.com. If you're a Georgia Tech fan, check out gtswarm.com. I may be covering some games in the triangle, so if you guys see me around, you know, the weekend games, Wake Forest, uh, up in Raleigh at PNC, Chapel Hill, Duke, well, maybe not Duke. Um, I may not want to advertise myself in Cameron if I'm there covering the games. But, you know, you guys see me, come say hi. And, uh, you know, I'm approachable. I just love to talk college basketball. And I will see you guys in a couple nights. Look for Thursday. I will be releasing number five, four, and three. And then I'll do the top two teams for my projected standings this weekend. My name is Michael Hunter. This has been the ACC Basketball Report. I will catch you guys later.